Hello, and welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast, episode number two, with our good buddy here. Luke Godwin from Godwin Motors in Columbia, South Carolina. Awesome, and I'm Jeff Watson. Today, we are actually going to be talking to our good friend, Luke. Woohoo! Is it a good one? <laughs> you feel like you got some good information in this? Yes, sir. It's awesome. This is going to be a great podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about Luke's origins, a little bit of the challenges that he sees going on in the industry today and some practical tips you can put into practice right now. So stay tuned for episode number two. Okay, so here we are with Mr. Luke Godwin of Godwin Motors, right? Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. And where are you, um, where are you guys based out of? Uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia, South Carolina. So tell me this, Luke, we're going to be doing these podcasts back and forth quite a bit. We want all of our listeners and viewers to get to know who is Luke, what makes him Luke. <laughs> How about you, Jeff? We got to know what you are too, buddy. Yeah, we'll get to that one. That'll come later. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, tell me, tell me just real quick, how, how did you get into the car business um, and what keeps you here? Uh. It's, it goes way back, man. My, uh, my grandfather was a dealer. Um, he, started, he got into the car business in about 1950. Um, he was an agricultural teacher in South Carolina. And uh, he, he just started a family and needed something else. He's, uh, he was a retired, uh, at that point, not retired, but he was a veteran. Came back from World War II, finished up at Clemson, got into agricultural business. Uh, his, his father was a farmer and, and the next thing you know, he's, he's doing that and, um, wasn't making enough money doing it. And so he started selling cars at a Ford dealership in a town just, just next door, um, to the town he was in at the time. So, uh, I guess he kind of worked his way up, became general manager, then part owner of a Ford dealership in Sumter, South Carolina, which is about 60 miles east of here. And, um, he worked there for several years. Um, just a really dynamic guy, great sales guy, probably not much of a, of what we would call a store manager at this point, but more of a, uh, just sales manager, but so good at sales. He was a, became general manager, part owner. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> Ford at that point was essentially giving out, uh, spots and, uh, franchises. And they, yeah. Right. And they, they promised him one. Um, mm -hmm. And so he got, I think in 1974, got the point in Winsboro, South Carolina, which is uh, about 20 miles north of where we are now. And he loved it. Uh, but unfortunately, the prior owner to that dealership was not very good. Um, he was, uh, you know, just a bad operator. Uh, didn't take mm -hmm. care of his customers. Um, backdoor deals, you know, just what you would find your typical, um, the, the way most people would think of a car dealer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was a hard road. Um, he, he didn't have a lot of capital and we all know this is a capital intense business and, uh, he just struggled and struggled. And then the recession of the late seventies gas shortage and all came. And finally in 81, my grandfather had to shut down. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, then he went to work for someone else selling cars. So he, he did fine. But, but, um, when he shut down, my dad, uh, he had, so my dad grew up going to all of the Ford, uh, son school, the dealer son school. So he, um, 
he really had a good base on management and sales. And, uh, and he opened our store in October of 1985. Mm -hmm. um, and that was an independent store or that was a Ford franchise? Independent store. Okay. And it was right in the middle of all the new car stores in South Carolina, uh, mm -hmm. where we're located today. There used to be 10 new car stores within a half a mile. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, there's zero now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, in 85, it was where you needed to be. And, and he was selling cars, I mean, really cheap cars. He, you know, $900, $1,200, $1,500 car. Yeah. Paying two, $300 for. And, uh, you know, they, whenever, it seems like whenever somebody gets into the car business, the next thing you know, you do is you want, you want to sell a little higher price car, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to sell a newer car. So he started doing that. And, um, the local credit, not credit unions, but the local stores around here, not stores, but the local uh, finance companies around here, he, he just found it, it was getting harder and harder to get these people financed. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so just a couple years after he started, he uh, started financing his own paper. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, we were probably at the time, one of a handful of people that did it in Columbia, South Carolina. And now we're the oldest buy here, pay here store. In, in Columbia, South Carolina, if not in the whole state. Mm -hmm. We've been around doing it longer than anybody. Um, but he, uh, we were in the same location from 85 until, uh, until 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, we bought uh, the property we're at now in 2011 um, from an, it was an old uh, Nissan store. Mm -hmm. uh, we upfitted it, built a couple buildings. And uh, so we've been here since then. And so your dad started it, got into the buy here, pay here in the late eighties and you came in, I mean, is this something you grew up at the lot? Were you detailing? Were you lot porting? I mean, is this, is this been Luke's trajectory his whole life or was this kind of a roundabout? <laughs> I went to college, I graduated, I went and worked for Bain Capital and came back here. So uh, a little of both. I, um, so in 85, I was six or seven years old. So, um, Every weekend, I was most every weekend I was down here uh, washing cars, um, mm -hmm. and then I started working the summers probably after sixth grade or so. So I was ten years old or so. I was working on cars. I was sanding cars, um, selling cars probably when I was thirteen or fourteen. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so I grew up in it uh, all throughout high school, and then I did go to college. I went to South Carolina, which is only about uh, an eight minute drive from here. So I would go to school in the morning work in the afternoon, mm -hmm. work Saturdays, you know, whatever we needed to do is what I did. We were at that time only, it was my dad. It was my uncle <clears throat> who was our technician at the time. He, he, he quit in about 01, 99 or 01. And then, um, we had maybe, uh, a detail guy. That's all we had. So, uh, really small at the time. And, um, and I was, you know, just, I'd planned to be a doctor. So uh, I went to college. I have oh, yeah. yeah, a biology degree um, and uh -huh. no business, never took a business class, of course. Uh -huh. <laughs> so uh, got out of college and I said, you know, I'm going to take a year off before I go to med school. And uh, during that year, I, was, I started working back in the dealership a little bit. And um, next thing I know, I'm stuck. <laughs> And not, I mean, not stuck. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that car bug bit you. Now tell me this, Luke. Is it, you, you come in, you're running a buy here, pay here store, right? Now, 
do you look at it or or i'm curious are you are you hooked on it because of the love of cars or are you hooked on it because of the love of the bank or the financing side like i think there's very two very distinct sides in a dealership especially buy here pay here some people look at it as a good business model some people look at it as good business they they just like cars um uh, cars are a necessary evil we're we're a finance company uh-huh. We're a service. Uh, we're a service company, and we're a finance company. Is what we are, mm-hmm. uh, and we are we are somewhat of a car dealership, but we're not the normal car dealership. Right. Uh, so I love cars. Um, I love classic cars. I love cars that I can't afford. But mm-hmm. your regular old car, I can care less about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just just kind of a ticking time bomb. I like to call it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and the so- manufacturers make me so angry. So that leads me into my next question for you, Luke. Tell us this, as an independent dealer, you grew up in the space, you're definitely heavy in it. Um, what do you see is the biggest challenge today or what would you like to see you know, change or, or, or what do you see as the biggest hurdle for the independent dealers? You know, the buy here, pay here space, the biggest challenge is capital um, because you can outgrow your money so fast. Um, and I, you know, I see that it's, it's capital and it's, and it's people capital as well. Um, the, the biggest, you know, we got, we, as buy here, pay here stores or even used car dealers in general, you, sometimes you have this stigma and it's hard to get, you know, it's not hard, but it's, um, it's harder than it should be to get really great people working for you. Um, we're lucky that, that I've been able to find those people, but um, it's, it's the, it's the money capital in the buy here, pay here space. That's hard. And it's making sure you get the right people in the right places is, is the hardest thing. Okay. Getting the, the, the right folks in the right seats. Um, how do you feel like as a new dealer coming into it or an independent dealer stepping into it, do you feel like those are going to be the two obstacles they feel like they need to have their hands on the most as well? So say you're brand new and you're thinking, Hey, I see these guys making great interest loaning, doing loans on vehicles. I want to get into it. You know, in the buy here, pay here space, I don't see how you could do it. I don't see how you could start this business from scratch without having worked in one or having a banking background um, that, it had, that, that allows you access to the money. Um, because let's face it, you know, to start this business today, you're going to need a minimum of $2 million. Yeah. And that's to do it on, and that's to do it on, the, on the small end. Mm-hmm. So... I just, I don't see how, and I think that's the thing that goes with when you see drive time in it heavy and you see U.S. auto sales around here, um, American Car Center, these big stores, these big uh, money back stores uh, through through private capital or uh, hedge funds or, you know, venture capital, whatever. Um, it's making it hard for all of us to, to operate and it's, it's going to make it almost impossible for a new person to start a buyer payer store, in my opinion. Okay. So, so give me, give me, give us some advice as far as something that I I know some of the people that are going to be listening or watching this are going to be, you know, new to the industry or small, and maybe they've dabbled with carrying some of their own notes. Maybe they're not carrying their own notes and they're just selling cars retail. Give us a, maybe, do you have a couple of maybe suggestions or tips that these guys should um, implement as soon as possible? The, The number one thing is buying the right car. You know, and, and, and so you have to have 
some education in, in the purchasing of vehicles and, and in the operation of vehicles. Um, I was lucky that, you know, I worked on race cars. I worked on go-karts. Um, I worked on cars, you know, since I was eight, nine years old. So I really have a good understanding of what makes a good car a good car. Mm-hmm. Find the right car. Don't find the car that you like. Find the car that will hold the note. Um, and if that means starting out with, with 10 notes on cars that, that were more expensive but better cars, then that's what you do. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if it means buying, you know, five um, $3,000 cars instead of, you know, a hundred, you know, I mean, not a hundred, but you know, if, if, instead of buying $15,000 cars and that's what you yeah. need because, mm-hmm. because the car makes the loan. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can't figure that out, um, your, your, your repos are going to outrun yourselves. Okay. And then from a cash standpoint, I think a lot of new dealers would look at that and say, oh man, that's scary. You know, I, I can buy here, pay here. I, I'm fine carrying the note on a car that I'm into at a grand. And that's okay. That's comfortable for me because I'm going to get a grand down and I'm going to have no money on the street. Now, does that model still hold where people are getting out of the car? You know, dealers are getting out of the car cash wise from day one. Do you see that happening still in areas? I don't see how, I don't see how it can work. Um, a few things. And, and my 20 group always gets on me about this, but mm-hmm. I don't see how you can get a thousand dollars down on a thousand dollar car. Number one, because you can come to me and put a thousand dollars down and get a car that that's going to, you know, it's a $10,000 car retail wise. Right. Uh, and it's one that I probably have for, I have $6,000 in. So it's, you know, there's a, you can go somewhere else and get a better car. Um, but there are probably pockets in the country where that model still works. Um, small towns that, that people aren't having to, you know, the Southeast, I, I would say is probably the, the car capital of the U S prices are probably higher than anywhere else. Um, so it, it would be tough here. I mean, a thousand dollar car, man, it, I don't see how it makes three months, you know, right. much you less got two months. factors. I think playing against those people is a, there's not a thousand dollar car out there. That's worth anything. You know, yeah. just, those don't exist anymore. And B, yeah, you don't, you've got dealers that will take a thousand dollars down and carry you on a $10,000 car because of competition, because of the way it is right now. Yeah. With the exclusion of those that are in the smaller markets where they don't have the competition and it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing. And back to your first point about dealers, that want to get into buy here, pay here need to be careful that they are looking for cars that fit the program, not cars that they like. You know, I think as car guys, you can fall in love with a certain vehicle, a certain make and model or a certain, you know, and you're trying to push onto the customer what you like as opposed to paying attention to what they like and what's actually going to make for a successful buy here, pay here loan. And I never go with what they like. Um, what happens though, it seems like is you find a car that your customer really likes and that's a good car. And when you find that, that, you know, it's like lightning in the bottle. When you find that car that works that your customer likes and is a really good car, man, that's exciting. You know, we had a run of, of Honda Accords from, from 1987 to, to 1997 that arguably is one of the best cars ever put on the road. And that car, you know, for a long time, you could buy it right. <clears throat> you could sell it. The customer liked it. And it stayed out for 24 months. 
30 months with no problems um, with 150,000 miles on it. So mm -hmm. uh, that was lightning in a bottle back then. Um, mm -hmm. And that doesn't always happen, but when it does, you need to, you need to hook onto it. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. So now would you say transitioning from that, talking about the old cars that worked and how it was back in the day, where do you see the future of uh, independent dealers, whether they're buy here, pay here, whether they're cash, traditional outside subprime loans, where do you see that going for guys like you and me when we're going against the, you know, the Carvanas and the Amazons and the Teslas, you know, direct to consumer type sales or large, um, large franchise dealers, you know, the consolidation of the small dealer. Man, I'll tell you, it's um, <clears throat> the last five years have been the toughest years to be an independent dealer. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the toughest that I've seen, you know, in 20 years. Uh, and it, it, don't get me wrong, it's been easy before. Um, the last five years, not easy. The, the internet has changed. Um, it's changed everything. And, and luckily I was an early adopter, you know, you know, 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago, and we listed our first car on eBay. Um, customers like to shop behind the computer. And so if you're not, if you haven't accepted that yet, you're probably not going to be in business much longer. So the, the thing we, you and I need to look at is, what is that next thing that's changing the face of, of our business? Is that, you know, um, a fleet of cars that, that we're able to, to service ourselves, and they go pick up a customer at their house and take them where they go. Is it a uh, shared ownership? Um, what is it? I don't know. I, th I think, I think it's, um, I think automated cars are going to make a difference. Now it's probably 10 years out. Um, I, not that I think they're going to make a difference. They are going to make a difference. You know, mm -hmm. is it something as a buy here, pay here dealer? Do I own a fleet of, let's say I've got, I've got a thousand accounts. Do I own 500 cars to service those thousand customers? Mm -hmm. So I think the model is going to go to something like that. Um, and I don't think it's right around the corner, but I think it's something we need to have in the back of our mind. And when we see a shift from, Uber doing it or Lyft doing it or, or Google doing it or Apple doing it, whoever's going to do it, we've got to be prepared for that. And for that, for that matter, that might be what Ford and GM are doing by going away from the sedans. You know, they, they may see that the trucks and the SUVs are what's making them money and people are going to still want those, those models, but they may see that, well, you know, that nobody really wants to buy this sedan, but if the sedan was a car service, maybe they would. Yeah. We all need to be we all need to be aware of this and we need to think about it. We don't need to be just stuck doing what we do because if we do we're going to get passed. Yeah, it's the it's the uh, age-old adage you got to put yourself out of business before someone else does. You know, <laughs> I think you got to be continually reinventing and you look at, you know, I mean, uh, in the beginning there was the mom and pop bookstores and then Barnes and Noble came in and put them out of business and then Amazon came in and put them out of business and someone's going to put Amazon out of business someday, you know. And so I think just like as progressive let's say you use that word uh buy here pay here dealer you came in and you ran a model better and you've probably taken market share and possibly put a fellow dealer out of business down the street who was running a dealership one way and may have had great success in his day doing it the way he did it but he didn't adapt he didn't change and here you come into town and you do it better and you're you know on the cutting edge and there's less 
friction for your customer and all of a sudden you become the preferred place to shop. You know, same thing can happen to us when someone comes into our market and says, Hey, we, you know, this company does it a little bit better or a lot better. And all of a sudden puts us out of business. You know, I, I was so scared when drive time came to town. Um, and they've made me better. You know, I hate to admit that, but when you look at, um, when I looked at the cars they were buying or I looked at the, <clears throat> um, the warranty they were offering. And this was at the very beginning of drive time. I think they've kind of gone away from that model now. Um, but it made me really think about what I was doing and what I was offering. And, and hopefully that uh, every time I see a new competitor come into the market, I, I try to analyze what they're doing and take some of the really good things they're doing and incorporate it into my business and see the bad things they're doing and make sure I stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's a good thing to say. And it's not that they can come in here and just squash you, you know, and, and, and put you out of business next month. But what it's going to do is it's going to make you change the things you do and also focus on your competitive advantage, which is, Hey, you know, we do everything these guys do. We do a little bit better and we have an owner in store on location that's going to help you out. And you, you know, yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's so many people miss that, that if you can come into a store and you have a problem and you know, you can talk to the owner, man, that that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it's a really big deal. And I think, I think the bigger you get as a buy your pay your store and the, and the further you are away, um, it hurts because, because you're not, you're not the mom and pop store anymore. Mm -hmm. But we got to remember to keep that focus. And, and I talk to my people all the time about this is, they've got to like us, you oh, know, yeah. people buy cars from people they like, you know, not some big name because of this, that, or the other, but as long as you're giving them good service and they like you, um, they're going to come back, you know? And I think that's the number one thing we've got to focus on is we have the ability to provide better customer service. People get all wrapped. Oh, for sure. And, and to piggyback on that, people get so wrapped up dealers. I'm going to say dealers get so wrapped up in the next new way to sell a car, um, listening on uh, eBay, uh, which was big 12, you know, you know 12 to, to eight years prior, um, auto trader, you know, mm -hmm. or cars.com or cars guru. And right. Yeah. And, you know, so people get, people get all crazy about this and, mm -hmm. and they don't look at their, the actual numbers because they do. And if you're doing business the right way, most of your business is referrals and people who have bought from you before. It, it can be up to 70% of most people's business. And if you forget about that side and you worry about everything else, the next thing you know, you lost that 70% and you're paying thousands of dollars Absolutely. a month advertising that you don't need to. Yep. And that's definitely a topic that I think we can dive into in a whole separate podcast is just <laughs> people sure. that don't realize they've got, they've got the, best referral source right under their nose you don't yeah. got to be paying cars.com or cars guru or even facebook marketplace to get those people you've, right. you've got a rolodex of them right right there in your keyboard so um luke just to wrap this up uh give us give us maybe you know one practical tip that us as independent dealers can take and put into our business today what can i what can i do today when i when i hang up with this podcast, I get done at the gym, I get done with my drive, whatever it is I'm doing that I can put into my dealership today. Meet with your staff. That is, 
that is key because you know how you want your store run. Mm-hmm. And you think your, your staff is doing that. But the more you dig into it, you may not see that. You need to make sure you tell your staff how the customer service operations should work. You want them to know, we want to treat that customer like family. We need them to really feel like they, they want, that we want their business. And if you're not meeting with your staff and explaining those things to your staff, you're not going to, next thing you know, you may not, you may not have a company because you're, you, you could have one or two angry staff members who are treating customers badly. And if you have that, you're going to earn every bit of goodwill you've already created in your, in your company. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You gotta, you gotta inspect those things and keep a, keep a, a standard, you know, I would say maybe is the word, but awesome, Luke. Awesome. Okay. Well, this has been a good, good fun time getting to know you today in this episode. And, um, Hope everybody tunes in for next week and we will keep you guys updated on uh, what's going on in the independent space here. Luke, anything to say as we head out? Man, Jeff, you know, you put this together. That's an awesome thing you've done and hopefully we'll help a lot of dealers out. All right.